So on today's episode of the Goggler Podcast, we thought it might be a good idea to do a quick rundown of what the actor's strike in America means to you, the consumer, the audience, the person who watches streaming and movies. Why does it matter that all of these people are striking in America? 160,000 members of the Screen Actors Guild and even more if you add the Writers Guild of America. What does it mean to you? But before we get into that, we've got ads for you. And I'm here to tell you that you can stream the best of HBO's shows. God knows you'll need it if this actor strike goes on for any longer. You can stream the best of HBO shows and more with the new Astro. Better than before, no rain interruptions, no repeats. Just stream anytime and on demand via the Astro Ultra Box. It starts from only $59.90 ringgit a month. And you can find out more information at astro.com.my. All right, bye. Yes, Uma. The writers went on strike almost three months ago now. Uh-huh. The Actors Guild of America, the SGA, Screen Actors Guild of America, have decided to go on strike as of last week. This is the first time in, I think, over 60 years that this has happened. And it's a pretty big deal. Now, I think there are a bunch of misconceptions that we do need to clear up because... The general consensus out there is if you're an actor on a TV show or a movie, you are making a lot of money. Mm. But that is not true at all. Like, if you are a Tom Cruise or a Dwayne Johnson or the lead of a sitcom or a TV show, sure, you may be getting a few hundred thousand dollars per episode. But even if you are a second tier actor, that means just one step below from the lead, and there are plenty of articles on the internet that talk about this, you could be making minimum wage. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing we want to make clear is Hollywood math is unlike any math that you have encountered in your life. Whatever you thought you studied in school and you think you understand how numbers work, that is not how Hollywood works. A movie can be the most successful movie of all time and make shit tons of money, and Hollywood would still find a way to report it as a loss to avoid paying people what they deserve. Yeah. I mean, how else would you explain them cancelling $100 million projects in order to save their bottom line? They're better off not releasing it, making it disappear into oblivion in order to save their bottom line. So their math is all over the fucking shop. I agree with your sentiment. I disagree with your argument because I think Hollywood math makes perfect sense if you are a fucking robot. <laughs> because you can logic it out. It all Yes, you can. There's, there is a logical sense to it, but there is no human argument for it. And I think that's the difference, right? They pay accountants and lawyers a lot of money to work through every mathematical loophole that they get. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And your, you know, your argument with regards to Batgirl, how not releasing that movie was better for their bottom line than actually releasing it is because they can essentially take down what is called a tax write-off to the movie. And by they, I mean Warner Brothers. It's the same argument with regards to why a lot of these newer productions are leaving streamers like like Netflix 
and Disney Plus even is because if these shows continue on air or rather if they're still shown on these streamers or if they're available on these streamers, you have to pay someone. It might be $4 that month, but you have to pay someone while that thing is on your streaming service, right? So it's easier to just remove it, get rid of it, and not have to pay what is called residuals. And I think there are business arguments for these and they all make logical sense. They just don't make human sense. Let me put it this way. I think unless you are a multi-billion dollar corporation, it is very difficult to fall on their side in a situation like this. For the rest of us, it's very easy to relate to the people who are striking. And the best way to look at it is actually to think about any industry. This is an industrial action. And so if you think of any sort of workers who are saying, hey, our contracts at the moment don't really work. There are 160,000 of us, maybe the top 2% you may read about in the press making 170 million a year or whatever. Mm. But yeah. the rest of us don't even make enough to have health insurance. Yeah. And I think if you read the article about Orange is the New Black, that was shocking and surprising to me because yeah. they were talking about not even having taxi fare. Yeah. At the end of the day to get back to their homes and hotels. Like that for me was wait, 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 wait. Like Because we have this misconception, because we have this misconception that, hey, once you make it, if you're on a hit TV show, then you're going to be making some real money, right? Yeah. And and I mean, I should have known better. We've got friends who live in California who've been trying to break into the industry for years, and a lot of them have not been successful, and they're still working all these other jobs, and sure, they may get small parts here and cameos there, but it's just not enough. Mm. And I think the same goes for writers who probably have it harder than the actors, I think. That's what the strike is about. There are a couple of things that the strike is focused on. I mean, there are lots of small issues involving health insurance and all of this stuff, but I think some of the major aspects are residuals, which means if you work a job, think of it as a small-time pension service. You have a hit show, and every time that hit show gets syndicated, you are paid for the work that you have done. And mm-hmm. so you may get a check. In the old days, whenever it got syndicated to Malaysia, for example, so as long as Cheers was on the air, the Cheers writers and actors would always get a check. Sometimes, depending on how important you were to a specific episode, if you were the writer of that episode, you may get a check for like a hundred bucks every month. And if you were a major actor on that episode, you may get more money. I don't think anyone is arguing that the biggest stars in the world deserve to be paid what they're paid because, I mean, if you ask me, even that is just overinflated to all hell. But yeah, I get where they're coming from because if you put Tom Cruise on a poster, it might end up making a billion dollars at the box office. And that's purely by the virtue of his name. And of course, he's worked for 40 years to get to that point. Now, the other aspect that's being argued is AI, and this one is just a truly frightening prospect for all of us, basically. Mm. Hollywood is saying that they will take a one-off recording of you and then be able to use it in perpetuity, have you as a background actor, for example, saving money on hiring extras, etc., etc. I think that one is worth sort of getting into because 
the big argument for the studio is that they want to be able to pay an extra day rate because specifically they're talking about extras. I don't think any of the studios are considering or talking about scanning in Harrison Ford the way they did with that Netflix show. You see, my friend, I think they're sneaking around that fact. Oh, no, no. I understand. I know what you're saying. It's the start. What if an actor is dead and the estate doesn't have any sort of control, but the studio's logic is we own the rights to The Godfather. We own this performance of Marlon Brando. And so we can take all of the unused footage and we can use AI to modify that footage and create a prequel if we wanted to. I agree with you, but I think right now the big argument for the SAG-AFTRA is the use of AI with regards to background actors. I looked at the SAG-AFTRA negotiations, I looked at the writers' negotiations, and I think the AI stuff feels like a red herring. It feels like a red herring because it feels like the one easy thing that the powers that be will give up because it's such an easy thing to lose. It feels almost stupid that they're fighting. It feels almost stupid that they're fighting and having seen enough law shows, I feel like that's the bargaining chip that AMPTP or AMTP, I don't remember, there's too many alphabets in that one, but I feel like the studios will give up that one. Like, okay, you come to the table, I'll give you this one, we will negotiate this out, but then I can't give you the 11% increase that you requested for. I can only give you, I know we said five, I'm going to give you three because I gave you the AI stuff. Also, very quickly, they're negotiating with a group called the AMPTP, whatever. Yeah. That actually is essentially just a cartel that yeah. negotiates on behalf of the production the studios. So basically, yeah. this, this cartel exists and they've essentially made a promise to all of the studios to say, listen, we'll keep things in check, not let things get out of hand. Don't worry, mm. you only have to kind of suffer through one or 2% increases every year. Nothing's going to go nuts. And essentially, it keeps the studio's hands clean for the most part. The other, of course, big issue with this is the world of streaming and what that's kind of wrought on the industry because streaming's approach has been very different. For the longest time, the residuals thing was part of the market. But of course, people like Netflix and stuff don't pay residuals. And so that's become a big issue. Even if they do pay residuals, it's a very tiny, tiny percentage. Let me jump in there and say they don't have to pay residuals because when the contract was negotiated, I think 20, I want to say 2008, streaming was not a viable service. So that was never a part of it. And and you might think that that's parsing language, but look, this is lawyer stuff. Lawyers pass language all the time. This is the point. And streamers don't have to pay residuals. They also don't have to adhere to network TV's version of what a schedule is. So writers no longer work for six, seven, eight months out of the year because they're no longer writing a 22-episode show. And you and I have whinged about 22 episodes practically for the duration of Goggler. And I think the point is that the length of the show guarantees a writer a certain amount of job security. And I think when you do an eight-episode Netflix thing, you are writing for closer to six weeks, maybe four weeks, maybe. So 
your career essentially is at this four-week stop-start schedule? I mean, there are a lot of other small issues that are also being raised and you can find the document on the SAG-AFTRA site if you're interested in looking at all of the details. Of course, a lot of this only applies to America. So if you were an American actor working in the UK, there are certain rules. For example, if you are working on a British production, there are different contractual obligations. And so during this period of strike, there's advice and rules that have been put out by the other unions from other parts of the world in how you should kind of approach those productions as well. So for example, right now, House of the Dragon and I think Rings of Power, because they're both based out of the UK, even if they have American actors on the show, they are signed to the local union, which is called equity. So in fact, by British law, members who are on an equity show who have signed an equity union contract cannot join the strike. Right, so they can't actually take part in the strike. They are prohibited by UK law to take part in the American union strike. So there are all of these things going on, but I guess for you, for the audience, it's important to know why this matters. On the one hand, like on a big picture scale, it does matter to us in Malaysia. Now, this is Hollywood. Hollywood is the elephant in the room. The economy that it generates is bigger than a lot of small countries. It's kind of what makes California, the third biggest economy in the world, not in America, in the world. (laughs) That's why it's a lot to do with Hollywood. And the reason it affects us, of course, is production stop. Movies stop rolling out. When that happens, Malaysian cinemas suffer. Let's face facts. Yes, there are movies from all over the world. There are local productions, but... One Mat Kilao and one Police Evo 3 isn't enough to sustain an entire industry. So if Hollywood movies stop coming, Malaysians stop going to the cinema, and the entire industry begins to suffer. So people will start losing jobs over here. Just think back to the pandemic, and there were a ton of people who lost work because cinemas were out of operation. It's also the things that we heard during the pandemic, right? Oh, It's just the movies, you know, there's more important things. It's just the movies. Nobody needs the movies. You can live without the movies. I'm like, yes, you're right. However, the cinemas employ close to, I think, people in the five digits. I'm not going to make an assumption because I I don't remember the numbers anymore. Not to mention the, the Malaysian arms of the international distributors who are all Malaysians. Not to mention the local printers, not to mention the marketing collaboration that that pharmacies got with that new Barbie movie. You know, there are all these sort of trickle down effects, these really small sort of waves that add up to much bigger impacts. Also, let's not forget the biggest impact, malls. Malls rely on cinemas. That's why malls with cinemas are some of the most frequently visited and malls rely on cinemas to bring in that foot traffic because god knows in this economy people aren't shopping they're going to malls for the air conditioning and maybe to catch a cheap movie so there is a massive impact over here just like how there is going to be a massive impact on all of the adjacent industries in hollywood when production stops craft services all of the catering people lose work all of the makeup people have to stop work All of the logistics people, and they are huge employers of logistics, have to stop work. So 
This is a massive industrial action with global implications. Can I just throw one more thing? Most of American productions are shot in Canada. That's true. Canadian towns are going to go through some hell, right? Ontario, British Columbia is going to have trouble. Vancouver is going to have some trouble. Unlike the writer's strike. What was interesting is that when the writers went on strike, the most immediate thing that consumers saw is that late night talk shows went off the air. And that's simply because late night talk shows are done on the fly. They're written on the go. So when those writers are not around or when they're unable to work, those shows go dark. But season two of The Bear still went out because it the was shows done. were shot, the yes. shows were edited. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 went out. However, without any actors, it's an immediate stop. When the writers went on strike, the repercussion was probably 12 to 18 months because new productions cannot go down, right? So James Gunn's Superman legacy could not be written. Some people argue that's okay. However, without actors, when their actors go on strike, Dune Part 3 will stop. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 will be pushed. The Last of Us Season 2 is fucked. Deadpool. Deadpool's shut down. Paddington in Peru. Gladiator 2. Wicked. I'm just reading off a list now. Beetlejuice 2. Andor's gonna shut down. All these productions will shut down, which means we won't have anything for the beginning of the year or potentially even end of this year. Correct. And I think that's the interesting thing. So that's the most direct impact to the consumer. You will have a vacuum of Hollywood shows to consume, it means that all of the schedules that Marvel has put out, for example, is going to get pushed again because yeah. none of them are actually finished. And even yeah. if primary photography is finished, there's so much reshoots that happen on these massive projects. And if that doesn't happen, then the movie is not going to get done, right? Or you're going to end up with a subpar movie. James Gunn's Superman Legacy. James Gunn can't even do any casting now. Yes. So he can't even cast actors. By virtue of this strike, actors can't even go in for auditions. So that's completely shut. And then, and then there is the bigger question of what they do with the shows they already have. Do they delay those? Because you don't have actors to go on junkets to help you promote those shows, which is one of the most potent weapons that they have. Because even with a mediocre movie or TV show, a lot of the time, if you see a good-looking person talking nice things about it on the internet, you may be compelled to try it out. Yes. <laughs> it's a very, it's very base-level marketing, but it works. And now yeah. they don't even have that in their arsenal, right? Yeah. And so all of these questions start coming into play, which means that studios, unlike the claim they made before of, ah, we're just going to wait out these writers until they lose their apartments and then they'll be forced back to the negotiating table. I don't hmm. think they can do that with the actors. I think the yeah. actors of a certain caliber have a lot more power that they wield and it's going to be difficult to have the actors try to carry on for much longer. And so... I mean, I for one, I'm glad the actors have gone on strike because I think that actually bolsters the writer's strike and maybe they can come together and come up with a much better, more amenable contract for everyone. But that's how it's going to affect us, the consumer, at least in the short term. Like, I'm under no illusion that this thing is going to go on for too long because it feels like 
Hollywood can't afford it to. So there's a lot of real money at play. And so because of that, they're going to have to come back to the negotiating table soonish, I imagine. Maybe. I don't know. I think maybe end of the year. If it goes on till the end of the year, we're saying that there's not going to be any new productions possibly until late next year for the cinemas. Yeah. Because you'll have some smaller movies get released. But we know, and we're not sure if you know, listening out there, but a lot of these major productions these days, because they're so complex, get pushed down to the wire in that sometimes production only gets done like the week before release. They're always tweaking CGI. They're doing something. So it's not like actor strike is over, quickly do reshoots, fix, 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 boom, movie's out. Like, no, it's going to take some time. I think it will, it's what, mid-July now? I can see it running into Thanksgiving, you know, only because of the noises that's coming out of the studios. I won't even say that the studios don't look to want to start a conversation. The studios are looking like they're amping up for a fight. What Zaslav has said, what Bob Iger has said, it feels like they're up there for a fight. I think they might hold out for a while. I think they'll back down, you know. I think this is the studios strutting their stuff like with Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow. Mm. I think right now they're trying to show their stuff and be all macho. But from an outsider's perspective, I feel like they're on the wrong side of this. Oh, they've always been on the wrong side yeah. of most things, dude. When has a billion-dollar corporation ever been on the right side of something? <laughs> You're right. Exactly. It's very right? rare. So, it's a very rare point in history when they have. Because here's the thing. An argument is made for the fact that studio executives are not in it for... Say what you want about the Warner Brothers that started Warner Brothers Studio. I've read yeah. their books, but... They were in it for making some kind of entertainment. The idea of making a movie was still a thing that they wanted to do. I don't think Zaslav cares where the money comes from. I think he just wants money. So now the question is, because these guys are such multi-level conglomerates, when their stock prices take a hit, I think is when they'll come back. This, This is a very cynical point of view, but I think it's a very real point of view. You speak about the Warner Brothers and you're right. They were individuals that, like Evans maybe, like Robert Evans who had a passion for movies and wanted to make film. A lot of the people who are appointed as CEOs of these big conglomerates, their primary task is to make their shareholders money and to make their shareholders happy. Yeah, And so that's why they get paid the kind of money they do because yeah. if you generate billions in profits and your shareholders get hundreds of millions in dividends, then yes, you deserve that money because you've done a good job. Doing a good job doesn't mean making across the spite of us. And so that's where they're coming from. And I think you're absolutely right. I think when the share prices start taking a hit, which I think it will, because I think consumers are going to be incredibly savvy right now because when the consumer goes oh look it's september i'm not getting anything of value on my streaming service i'm going to cancel it especially when the weather starts turning to cold and and look we as malaysians we may not be as susceptible to weather changes right for us it's hot or rain you know it's either very hot and humid and stupid or it's wet and floody and stupid but in the uk 
or in the US, when it goes to winter, people decide last year's winter in the UK was was a big one, right? People were deciding between to pay for your heat or pay for your food. Charities were set up so that old people could go to these charities and just stay in, just sit in that house and warm up before they get to go home, right? So it's this idea that that kind of stuff is a big deal because you can die <laughs> from being too cold. On paper, it might seem like a, like a simple idea for people who are outside the industry. This idea that, oh, residuals is based on how many people are watching or have access to your content on a streamer. However, Netflix is loathed to share their viewer numbers. Absolutely fucking loathed to do it. The reason for that is because Netflix are caught between a rock and a hard place. If they tell the writers that nobody's watching their show, you can easily draw a straight logical line to investors who will then ask, is anybody on your channel? So Netflix, I'm not saying they have been, but there are arguments to be made that they've been lying to their investors saying that there's all these people on their service so they could get more money because Netflix is still a loss-leading organization. They're not making any money from people who have signed up. Their money still comes from the stock market. So if they have to open up their books to the writers and say, oh, the reason we're not paying you residuals is because nobody was watching your show, at which point investors can turn to Netflix and say, how come nobody's watching the show? How many people are on your service? Let me do the math. You do not deserve my money. It's a real problem that Netflix specifically have found themselves in. God forbid they employ some kind of transparency. I mean, we all knew that was too good to be true in the sense that they couldn't hide their numbers forever. We don't live in that sort of world, let alone from an American industrial perspective. So there may come a time in the near future where Netflix is just forced to reveal those numbers, you know, for the sake of avoiding situations like this one. Here's a question for you. When do you think the White House will get involved? I think very soon, you know. I think, think like you said, Bahe, if it starts running until September, October, I think the government will have to get involved. I mean, they already asked for federal mediators and the federal mediators were appointed but it still fell through and the strike went on given the amount of money at stake and how it's going to impact the Californian economy the Canadian economy the global economy I really think the White House is going to start getting involved for sure October September yeah September October also as we know Democrats unlike Republicans uh, not on the side of big business in the same way. <laughs> they like taking money from big business. Oh, of course. But, yeah. but they're a little more socialist on that front. So the funniest thing is if you want to do some research, look up when the last time the writers and the actors did a joint strike. I think that was in the 60s. 1960s. And it was a big deal, man. They got a lot. Yeah. And the president of the Actors Guild at the time was Ronald Reagan. Yes, that's right. Who fought for the little man, but then became president and fought for the big organizations. So it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, American politics. For the consumer, for you, all is not lost on your entertainment schedule because obviously there are other parts of the world making good content. And yes, you may get a lot more British content and Brazilian content, Spanish content, Singaporean content, Malaysian content, Australian content, Korean content. Like You'll get a lot of those, right? Yeah. Not all of it will interest you. I think the one thing that American soft power has done very well is package their content as if it's some sort 
of universal thing. It's very cunning and very clever. Mm. Because by any measure, living in Malaysia, we should gravitate more towards Korean content and Japanese content. At least culturally speaking, we may have more in common with them. But yet, yes, we like our Korean content, but mm, not as much. Like a Korean movie can open in cinemas and it's not going to make as much money as an American movie. And a lot of it has to do with the way Hollywood has operated over the last 100 years in that they have fine-tuned their product. So even the worst Hollywood movie has at least a base level of technical proficiency and standards. So you know when you pay your 15 ringgit or 20 ringgit that you're at least going to get some level of entertainment. You may not like the movie, but at the same time, everything looks good and it's a pretty decent production and you know what you're going to get. I think that's the most important thing that Hollywood has counted on for decades. Mm. You know what you're going to get. It's pretty predictable on that front. And if you're going there purely for entertainment, you're going to get entertainment. It's a mixed bag with a lot of other countries and their productions. I believe you will still be spoiled for choice because if you log on to any streaming service, you're still going to get content from all over the world and there's going to be stuff coming out. Hollywood, however, like I said, elephant in the room and because they control so much of stuff, yes, you will miss a lot of that. But hey, on the bright side, lots more reality shows, huh, Bahe? Oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> How many more seasons of Too Hot to Handle do you think they can cram? I'm sorry. Into the next eight months. I'm sorry, excuse me. Have you heard of the new version of The Bachelorette? Or The Bachelor? Oh, it's Old People Bachelor. Gold Bachelor. The Golden Bachelor. Golden Bachelor. Oh my Christ. I'm amazed it took them this long to come up with that. Right? Can I just say, I've got a pretty banger of a reality show for you. Remember my dating one? Oh, no, no. Don't say that here. You got to take that offline. Oh, you no. I'm not going to tell. Gonna be listen, I'm not going to tell people it about this. Your no, no, no. Idea. I'm yeah, not going yeah, yeah, yeah. to say it on this thing, but you know what I'm talking about. And I think I, no, it's a I still idea. think that's a great fucking idea. It's a great fucking idea. I think so, too. Now's the time, man. Now's the now time. Now's the time we pitch that shit. damn time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's the impact. I mean, there are real real world implications, even for us out here in Malaysia, not just as consumers of content, but also for the cinema industry, for local productions, for all sorts of things. In not too concise a way, because we spent a lot of time talking about this, that is what the writers and actors strike means for us here in Malaysia. If you have any more questions, we would be happy to answer them if we can, or we're happy to send you the right links to read because there's a ton of literature out there and all of it has been very well explained. Just reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline 012-524-522. You can also drop us a line on Discord. Just send us a message on any one of our platforms. We'll send you a link to join if you aren't already on there. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Goggler Podcast.